Welcome to the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. I'm Thomas Goldcamp. Joining me today is Blake Alderman, our recruiting guru extraordinaire. This will be our first full episode of the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. So we want to give you guys kind of a brief outline of what the show is intended to be. Um, basically, we're going to be covering football and football recruiting quite heavily. That's going to be our main focus. We may delve into other sports here and there. You know, if basketball makes a deep run into the NCAA tournament, we may have a show touching on that and how they're doing. Uh, you know, if baseball's in Omaha, we may touch that. But for the most part, we're really going to focus on football. We know that most of our subscribers at Swamp247.com, that's what you guys are there for, football and football recruiting. Um, so we hope to get you guys a, a podcast episode out just about every week. Uh, sometimes we may have more than that, depending on the time of year. Um, but basically the way it's going to work is Blake, myself, and then Luke Stampini will be the three kind of running the podcast. Uh, and we won't always necessarily be on at the same time. Today is just going to be Blake and I talking about some team stuff. Uh, but in the future, you know, we'll mix in other guys. Sometimes it might be me and Luke. Sometimes it might be just Blake and Luke talking recruiting. Um, but that's the basic idea. We want to we want to kind of have this be a relatively short show. Roughly, we're shooting for about 30 minutes per episode. We just want to get you the information that you guys are looking for, and then you can get on with your lives. Uh, real short and sweet. That's kind of what we hope to do. Um, you know, I'll let Blake talk a little bit about what him and Luke hope to bring from the recruiting standpoint, and then we'll jump right into some of our biggest takeaways from spring ball so far. Definitely. You know, the big thing with Florida is, you know, recruiting. Everyone wants to know all year round that that's the one thing that doesn't stop. You know, there's always guys coming in on campus. Uh, you know, we obviously have boots on the ground there. We, we, you know, we cover a lot of camp, seven on sevens, you know, junior days and whatnot. So, you know, I know that uh, recruiting is definitely a lot of fans' biggest vice. So uh, I'm definitely here to supply the info there. So uh, Luke and Blake have talked a little bit about potentially doing a recruiting episode in the next couple days. We hope to get that to you guys so you'll have a sample of both. Um, but for now, I think the first thing we wanted to do was really talk about spring football. You know, Florida's about a week and a half in now. We just got to see another open practice today. Uh, so I thought it would be neat to kind of, uh, t you know, talk to Blake a little bit about our three biggest takeaways, because he's been out there for a couple practices as well. Um, and Blake, I think you can agree with me on this one. The first thing we always come back to is Felipe Franks. Sure. You know, he's it's just crazy when you see the 180 of what Dan Mullen has done with him. And, you know, he's just been really sharp this spring. Uh, you know, I know that there's some tempers out there flaring today. He's definitely got a chip on his shoulders, and, and you know, he's definitely uh, one of the more one of the more polarizing guys in Gator Nation. So, you know, it, it's I'm sure a lot of fans are happy to see him kind of being crisp, you know, making the good throws, smart decisions so far. You know, we'll see how that goes as spring continues and into the season. You know, when the lights turn on. But you know, I think so far, I think one of the biggest things is that you know, it's it's been a pleasant surprise there. Yeah, there's no doubt about it. I mean, you know, I've been out there for all the practices that have been open to the media. Um, and it, there's just a different vibe around the Florida program right now with Frank's in charge. You know, last year, obviously, you know, it was a huge question mark going into spring. And anytime you're at Florida, the quarterback's always going to be a big storyline. Um, but it feels like a big storyline this year in part because of what you talked about, that that Frank's is such a polarizing figure. Even though you've got a guy that's coming back and put up the kind of numbers he did, there's still fans out there that question whether or not he'll end up being the starter all year. Um, and it's really kind of a, a, a bizarre scenario, so to speak. In the fact that, I mean, you're talking about a guy that's put up the best numbers since Tim Tebow, um, really was in his first year in that system. Um, and yet you have people still wondering if he can get the job done. The thing to me that sticks out is, like you said, he looks much more comfortable. You know, last year, uh, I remember in spring practice, you know, writing about Franks and Trask. And I remember Chris Doring was extremely high on Kyle Trask. And for the most part, a lot of us agreed that Kyle Trask looked better. I don't think that's the case this spring. I think Felipe Franks has taken his game to another level. 
Um, and, and it's really it's to the point where it feels like his team now. Sure. You know, I think the the funny thing is, is, you know, how much a year can change things. Last year, like you said, it was, you know, who's going to be the guy at quarterback for Florida. And this year, I think the more, you know, debated topic is, you know, who's going to be the second guy for Florida? Who's going to be the backup quarterback? So I think that uh, after about 10 years of just terrible quarterback play at Florida, I think a lot of fans are, are really refreshed to see what's going on and, you know, the storylines. And, you know, it, just to kind of piggyback off of how you said that, you know, there are some fans that are still kind of on the fence about Felipe Franks. And I remember scrolling through Twitter one day and seeing, uh, I think it was an ESPN tweet or something to that effect of, you know, teams that are going to have big quarterback battles this year. And Florida was like the number one team on there over like Miami, some of these other teams. And it's just like, man, just the overall national perspective is that it's still not any good quarterback play in Gainesville. And it, it did, like you said, Felipe had some of the best stats since Tim Tebow was there. And, you know, it's still like it's almost like a habit that Florida still talked about with quarterback play when it's really not necessarily any facts backing that up. Yeah, well, there's no doubt. I mean, that, and I think there's a big difference and maybe even a disconnect between, like you said, the national perception and even even somewhat in the fan base in terms of how Felipe Franks is viewed compared to the team. I think that's a nice little segue. I mean, we've got we've got some interviews. I talked to some of the receivers this week. Um, here, here's what Van Jefferson had to say about Felipe Franks. He really, really thought that Franks turned a corner specifically in the South Carolina game. And it's fun, funny you mentioned the tempers flaring at practice today. We'll get into that a little bit after some of these clips. Um, but basically, Felipe Franks started playing more physically. And, you know, here, I'll just let you uh, listen to what Van Jefferson had to say. I mean, I think he started clicking, man. Um, well, he was clicking all, all season, but, I mean, I think when it really started clicking from him at that South Carolina game, man, yeah. I think uh, once he got that game, you know, that he showed a lot of confidence that game, you know, especially when everybody's talking about he's just the crowd and stuff like that. But I think that propelled him, man. That got his confidence up, you know, a lot. So I think after that game, man, he was just solid on and focused in. So and he led us to New Year's Six. And obviously, you know, Florida wants to get past the Peach Bowl and past 10 wins. Um, but, I, but you know, I think Van said it, you know, they just feel more comfortable around him. And certainly Van wasn't the only one to say, you know, a comment to that effect. I, I think I look back to the Felipe Franks playing physically. To me, that's the biggest thing. Um, I mean, Blake, what did you see from him? How, how, did, how did you view the offense kind of changing once Franks became more of a willing runner? It just seems that overall, even when the team plays and, you know, that he is a runner, that the team just gels better with him. Even if it's on the field, in the locker room, just following them on social media and stuff, there was a post to Felipe where he wore like his cowboy boots to the locker room and <laughs> the team is all just kind of ripping on him. And, you know, it just seems like, you know, he's the guy in the locker room that kind of just feeds off of guys. The receivers all really seem to just love him and, and, you know, they always talk him up and, you know, things there. But I, the thing whenever Dan Mullen. I know he's looking for a capable uh, runner. You know, obviously you want to be able to throw the ball and move the sticks and do things there, but his offense just works so much better when you have a guy that is a smart runner, like how Felipe was used. You know, he may be not the fastest guy in there, but Franks has shown the ability to, you know, maybe be deceptive. And I think the biggest run is always the one uh, against Texas A&M where, you know, he looked fast. You know, you see him and he's tall and he's lanky and he almost even looks like he could run goofy and then he just takes off. So, you know, I think that that dynamic he brings, obviously Emory Jones in the fold there, you know, he seems to be kind of that dynamic athlete too. So I think as, as far as things go you know if you have a guy that can bring that you know the extra legs and you know the other dynamic to an offense it just makes Dan Mullen's offense that much more you know deadly and then he can really open up the playbook and kind of look for those things to create you know those trick plays and those things that I think fans really enjoyed seeing him call last year yeah no doubt but I I, I almost think that you know it took a while for Franks to really realize he could be a runner 
Sure. Um, and I think obviously, you know, he was a little bit thinner as a redshirt freshman, but it wasn't something that he looked comfortable doing, um, you know, just from from a stride standpoint from all that. But he kind of shied away from contact. He would have trouble holding the football. Um, I think when you got let, you know, into that last month of the season last year, you started to see that kind of disappear, particularly with that South Carolina game. I mean, he was a guy that was initiating contact. Um, and that that's what really stood out to me. Uh, here, here's what Josh Hammond had to kind of say about Frank's lowering his shoulder and what that did for those guys. You know, he sets the tone on the offensive side end of the ball. So, you know, if you got the quarterback, you know, taking those powers, lowering his shoulder and being that nasty, gritty guy that, that wants to win, you know, it's definitely going to feed off of it. And, um, you know, it shows a lot of guys, you know, play the same way. And once he starts rolling, you know, we all get rolling. So, And so kind of kind of going back to the uh, the practice thing today, you know, I was out there and uh, obviously we wrote about it on Swamp247.com. You can read about it there. We encourage you guys to check out the site. Um but, you know, it was very early in practice. They decided to do an 11-11 period a little bit earlier than normal. And uh, the first play that kind of gave you a hint that Felipe Franks was a little dialed up today, uh, He, you know, he takes a carry up the middle, and, you know, it's supposed to be the defenders just kind of touch you, and that's the end of the play. They whistle it dead. Well, he's got two guys, and he runs right between them, kind of through the arms, and ends up getting taken down to the ground, which really isn't supposed to happen. So Franks gets up, and he's all cocky and, you know, showing a little bit of swagger reaches his arm out and drops the football for a first down right in front of the guys. You know, so, okay, first off, the defenders aren't too happy about that. Well, a couple plays later, uh, Zach Carter gets through on a, on a blitz, you know, beats Ethan White and kind of bear hugs Franks and just kind of wraps him up, you know, keeps him on his feet. But Franks wasn't having it. He was not happy about that and gave Carter a little shove, you know. Well, Carter turns around and, you know, just kind of joking around, pats him on the helmet. And then uh, whatever it was, that set Franks off because he turned around and, you know, pegged Carter in the helmet with the football. And then, uh, you know, the very next play, Franks gets a run outside down the left sideline. And Sean Davis is there just, again, kind of just trying to, you know, put some arms on him, make the stop. And Franks lowers his shoulder and bulldozes him right in front of the fans. Um, and I think the coaches were smart because they blew the whistle right away and went on to the next period. Um, but that's something you just you weren't seeing from Franks last year. I mean, he's always been kind of a fiery, competitive guy, but I don't know you saw that physical kind of just toughness about him. And I think it's made Florida a much better team. Um, you know, obviously, obviously you got to do it, you know, within the rules and make sure that you're not letting that carry over after the whistle. Um, but I don't think that's a bad thing for Florida at all. And then the other thing, you know, we, we talk about Frank's confidence level. I mean, Blake, look at that roster for me. And, and, and in terms of quarterbacks and receivers, I mean, it's a veteran group, isn't it? Definitely. You know, I think that that was going to be one of my points later on is, is that wide receiver group is, you know, it's, I don't think that I've seen one that good at Florida in quite a while as far as terms as deep guys, even some of the younger guys are kind of even have made some plays, not necessarily, it, it seems like for the last couple of years, there's always that guy who flashes in the spring and disappears. But, you know, some of these guys, you know, they, they showed what they're capable of in the fall. So, you know, I think that, you know, having that and having that veteran, you know, leadership in the program, kind of mixed with what Dan Mullen has brought in as far as the competitive edge, you know, compete in everything. You know, I want to beat you in a thumb wrestle. I want to beat you in basketball. I want to beat you in a race, you know, anything of there. I think that that brought in there. And obviously, you know, I think the greatest hire that I don't think anyone's going to argue that Mullen has made is, is Nick Savage. And, you know, adding that weight on there has probably given Frank's that confidence to lower his shoulder. You know, those guys are getting in there. Um, you know, the they're transformed completely, you know, in the last year that they've been there. So I think overall, it doesn't seem like 
Florida is small. I remember just games before thinking like, man, these guys, why is the other team that much bigger than Florida? And, you know, I don't think that's the case anymore. And, you know, if you're going to be a quarterback that's going to be called to run and adding that weight in there, you know, that's, that's definitely something that's very important. You know, you don't want to have, like you said, that goofy stick, you know, where he's going to fumble the ball, you know, that that's not going to help you in this kind of offense. No doubt. And it's funny you mentioned the, uh, you know, the receivers that they have and, and the guys that Dan Mullen brought in, even some of the younger players. I look at it in terms of a chemistry standpoint and two of the top targets last year were Van Jefferson and Trayvon Grimes. I mean, those are two guys that came in, you know, last year. So Felipe Franks hadn't had a whole lot of time to work with them. I just think you're going to see a more comfortable, and I think we're already seeing it in the spring, but you're going to see a more comfortable connection between Franks and those guys. And, you know, I talked to Van Jefferson quite a bit one-on-one after practice the other day, and, and he basically said that. He said, you know, um, I spent a lot of time in the offseason with Felipe working and whatnot, um, but it was still the first year, and it was, you know, our first year in the system. I think as you get into year two in the system, um, with all of those guys, you know, not just the the transfer receivers, um, there's going to be a lot more comfort level. And uh, I'll play real quick a clip from uh, Van Jefferson, uh, uh, or actually, sorry, Tyree Cleveland, talking about, you know, just the experience level they have on offense now and what that could do potentially in the passing game. I mean, we could play faster. You know, we we've been here. We played ball for three years now, going into our fourth year. So we just playing a lot faster. We know the game. Um, so we just gonna continue to get better and continue to work with the young guys. So Blake, I think I think you hit on it a little bit, uh, kind of when we started here. You know, we are in practice right now, and it's hard to make too many conclusions from that. You know, we've seen guys at Florida that have practiced really well. I, I always think back to Jeff Driscoll in 2014. Um, he was electric in fall camp, and then for whatever reason, it just didn't translate to the field. Um, so I, I guess from your end, and maybe this transitions into into our second point a little bit, our second big takeaway from the spring, uh, what, what, what has to happen, I guess, for Felipe Franks to be able to convert, you know, his, his comfortability in practice and the way he's practicing right now into games next fall? You know, I think it's just like how you said, just having that, that prior knowledge of the offense. I not it seemed like when uh, the prior staff was here that the offense was almost too complicated for him to grasp and it seems like that has totally changed that things are maybe a little bit more simple under Mullen you know obviously he'll get into his playbook and he, you know Mullen will dial one up you know don't get me wrong but it seems like that extra level of comfort uh mixed with you know like you said the timing you know you get two of your top receivers in there and they're new and you, you know you're still kind of working on the fly as far as timing and you know every little thing of the offense that you're already learning in the first year anyway so you know I think last year was just a complete learning curve um just kind of learning on the fly and this year I think it's just the thing that's going to translate there is just that comfortability level you know take that level of comfortability that you've shown all spring you've looked sharp and now it's time to translate to the big stage I think there were times like you said, the beginning of the season, Franks was kind of, you know, he's kind of figuring it out some games, some games he would just look lost. And then he kind of turned the corner. And I think that was whenever everything kind of dialed in, you start bringing in your running, your legs, that part of the game, the running game, obviously is it's, you know, you bring back P Ryan this year. I, I think that comfortability mixed with having a running back who can kind of take the load off you a little bit also it's going to be the biggest thing there it's just you know those two things the other just you know you're going to see comfortability no matter what just I mean you have a year of experience there but having the running back there having a veteran group of wide receivers you know I think overall those things are just going to kind of add up into one big thing yeah there's no doubt I think to me the biggest question you know in terms of whether that can translate um is the offensive line you know sure. and that that's that's been probably my second takeaway from the spring is um, 
I, I think that Florida has the skill position players, and I think that I believe in Felipe Franks enough at this point that they can have a productive offense. You know, may you know it may not be the you know putting up record numbers or anything like that, but I think if the offensive line can come together and give them at least close to what they got last year, I think they can be that. I think part of the reason that Florida was able to succeed last year is because that offensive line took major strides. You know, John Hevesy did a terrific job with those guys. Um, and he's going to have his work cut out for him this year, obviously. You know, they only return one starter in Nick Buchanan. Um, and for the most part this spring, they've looked like a unit, uh, you know, that's very young. Um, you know, so I actually wanted to get your take uh, from the recruiting side, since you cover these guys a little bit more in recruiting. Um, I want to talk more about the second team offensive line, because th- that's that's the one that's really running four of those true freshmen and early enrollees right now. What what are your take? Uh, I guess what's your take on some of those guys and, and maybe guys you might expect to contribute earlier than others and uh, what guys need to do from that freshman class right now? You know, I think the one one guy and then there's another guy who's maybe even on the bubble for me right now. The first guy is obviously Kingsley uh, Iguakun. Uh, he's the one guy that really stands out just because the fact of, you know, you return a guy, uh, Nick Buchanan, who, you know, he struggled sometimes for Florida too you know he wasn't you know always solid there but then you look after him and it's like you know who's there you know I think that he's just gonna have to be a guy that's you know baptized by fire if you want to call it that you know he's gonna be the guy that's gonna have to be relied on as a backup um, you know if Buchanan struggles um, you know or if there's you know injuries knock on wood I know I'm <laughs> there but uh I think that he's the one guy, and obviously Ethan White is—he's an interesting guy there because you know he's come in. He obviously had to reshape his body. I think that they're making strides towards that. You know, he's obviously down some weight. You know, he's moving well. You know, he looks like a giant human being out there for Florida. And you know, obviously being an offensive lineman, sometimes you just have to just be a large human being that doesn't let people buy you. So you know, he's already good there. He brings that. Um, and just continuing to kind of buy into the weight room, it, it seems like every person that Florida that talks about him says that, you know, he's there, he's willing to work, you know, he's all in, he's completely dedicated. So, you know, I think that his size and maybe the lack of, you know, help that Florida is going to need at tackle, I think that, you know, maybe he could be an interesting guy there. Um, obviously, the other guy there on campus for Florida is Michael Tarquin. Um, you know, just from the recruiting side of things, it was hard to get a good read for Tarquin because he was kind of injured a lot. You know, he missed his whole senior year. Um, I believe it was something in his shoulder that he had hurt. Um, so, you know, I think that that's kind of the thing. Um, it's really at, at center. I think that Kingsley is going to be the guy to watch. You know, yeah. I, the thing for him, and when you watch him, I mean, even his film when he was recruiting, I mean, he's nasty. You know, he will finish blocks, takes guys to the ground. You know, that is what John Hevesy looks for. I mean, he is a gritty, you know, he wants someone who's going to blow you off the ball and take you and push you, you know, through the earth's crust. That's what he wants in his lineman. And I think <laughs> that that's what Kingsley brings there. I think that Ethan White can bring that dynamic. Um, but it, it, you know he just has to continue to shape his body, um, and obviously William Harold Harold, excuse me, he's another guy too that is uh, in there early. He was another guy that I thought that he looked more like a guard as a recruit to me. Um, he's one that I think is going to have to continue to reshape his body. But you know I think the work that Nick Sha- Savage has shown with some of these guys, you know, it doesn't seem like with him, you know, it's going to take. Oh man, he could take year, two years to reshape his body. It seems like some of those guys are kind of on the fast track. But you know, do I see them helping this year? Honestly, probably not. Maybe not a lot of being counted on, but just when the fact that you bring in, you know, the dynamic of a young group, kind of unproven, you know, sure, you know, there are th- a lot of maybes there, but you know, I think that the group that has been the first team is going to be the one that's relied on. I think this spring, it's, you know, really just getting these guys ready to go because they're probably going to be counted on at some point to, you know, have a snap there. Obviously, 
SEC ball is going to come eventually. You know, the, there's not any easy games on the schedule there. So, you know, these guys are really going to be ready to go. Like you said, you know, these guys that are there enrolled early, they're going to have, you know, be ready to have their number called, you know, no matter where that is in the season, you know, I could see that happening. Maybe some of the guys, you know, Florida had signed a heavy offensive line class. Some of those guys are going to be coming in later. I think are going to be behind the learning curve, but you know, some of these guys, you know, they're getting their reps now. That's, that's what you need to do. And that's what they're doing. Yeah, no doubt. I mean, like I said, three of them right now are on the second team offensive line. And uh, I, I'm glad you mentioned Kingsley because he uh, he jumped right in over Tanner Rowell today in the second team. Uh, Rowell is obviously a defensive tackle that Florida moved over for the spring just because they were light on numbers at center. And, uh, you know, Kingsley's looked pretty good there. So I, I think that um, he's a guy that I, I think you're right. I think he's the one that could definitely contribute. Um, but I think Florida is going to need at least one or two of those guys on the field next fall. Uh, just from a number standpoint, they need him. Um, so I, I guess real quick, I'll wrap up kind of my thoughts on the O-line, just breaking it down from what I've seen. I think the first team offensive line has probably been a little bit better than I expected this spring. Um, and granted, I, I say that my expectations were fairly low just because so few guys there have played, you know, obviously Brett Heggie's a guy that has really flashed some potential, but hasn't been able to stay healthy. The good news is knock on wood. Uh, he's been able to ha- stay healthy so far this spring and he looks pretty good. The guy that to me really stands out in the starting unit right now is John DeLance, uh, the transfer from Texas. He was a guy that never stood out to me in practice at all last year. Um, I was not very high on him. Usually when guys transfer, they transfer for a reason. Um, he was a guy that was not necessarily a Dan Mullen transfer because we know Dan Mullen, when he takes transfers, he wants them to play right away. The old staff didn't necessarily have that same philosophy. So DeLance was a guy that, you know, maybe for whatever reason he got frustrated at Texas. Um, you know, I always think there's something to that, you know, like, Maybe that guy just wasn't working hard enough. Um, I thought it was really, really interesting when we talked to John Hevesy the other day, you know, after practice. Hevesy made a point of saying that he thinks DeLance has finally figured out that he has to work hard and that there's things that he has to do. Um, the guy's a phenomenal athlete. Obviously, he was, I, I believe he's Florida's top-ranked um, player on the offensive line in terms of recruiting when he came out as a recruit. You're correct. And, yeah, so he's, he's obviously a guy that has a ton of potential. And for whatever reason, didn't pan out for him at Texas, and he didn't do anything last year to impress. To me, that says there's something he's doing off the field or work ethic-wise that that wasn't good enough. And John Havasey said something clicked for him, and it's starting to starting to work. Now, is that a motivational ploy because they need him to play well? Maybe. I don't know. But the point is, John DeLance has actually, to me, looked a lot better this spring. So, you know, is it a chicken or the egg scenario there? I'm not sure. The good news is for Florida— they finally have another tackle developing opposite Stone Forsyth, and that is something that they absolutely needed. Um, the second team offensive line right now, like I said, they're still young. It's it's a little bit of a disaster right now, um, but they've got time to get those guys in shape. And the good news is I think the starting unit is making pretty good progress. Um, so, Blake, I guess the last thing I wanted to talk about today is another thing that I'd love to get your insight on some of these guys as recruits. Um, my big takeaway from, from, from the spring – outside of Felipe Franks and the O-line, has been the speed of the defense. Um, some of these young guys, man, they can flat-out fly. Um, so in particular, I, I'd love to get your thoughts on Amari Bernie. I know you saw him out there at practice a couple times. Uh, let's let's start with him and what he can bring to the defense, and then we'll kind of talk about some question marks maybe on the defense as a whole and uh, what, what we can expect from this unit uh, from what we've seen based on the first week or two of spring. Can I go ahead and throw out my hot take for Florida's defense this year? It's really early, but I'm going to go ahead and throw it out. I think that Amari Bernie is probably the biggest guy that makes Florida fans go, whoa, who is that guy? I think he's going to be one of the guys that 
really burst on the scene. You know, he played some last year. I think the bowl game really caught a lot of attention for him because he filled in some spots for Vashawn Joseph. He's obviously working with the linebackers this year. Um, I, I think he's going to be the guy that really kind of makes that jump for Florida this year on defense. You know, when you look at him, this is a guy in high school that in junior year, sophomore year, we thought he was a wide receiver. We thought he was a big wide receiver. He's fast. He can run. Um, you know, he's quick. And then he kind of all of a sudden just started growing. You know, he he, he just got gigantic. Then he was more of a, a big safety. And, you know, he moved well in high school. He still played wide receiver. And then it just kind of seemed like one of those guys when he finally signed and everything was done and, you know, he was on his move to Florida that what is this guy going to do? Is he going to stay a safety and be quick? Or is this guy going to be a really quick linebacker that's going to continue to grow? And I think whenever you lose a guy like Boshan Joseph, who, you know, at times would disappear in games for Florida, would forget how to tackle. But I think when you have a guy that's going to bring that athletic part of the game that Amari Bernie's going to bring. And he's also a very physical kid as well. I think he's going to be the one in that linebacker group that jumps out. You know, I, I'm very high on Amari Bernie. I, I was high on him as a recruit when he came out. And I, the thing for me always was, is, you know, he was kind of a tweener. Where's he going to go? And I think now that he's kind of found a home and he's still a guy that, you know, the way Florida goes in their strength and conditioning, you know, they could slim him up and move him back to safety if they need to. So I think he's a versatile guy, but whenever you look at the linebacker, they're the group overall, you know, they've got some guys who are in the program like David Reese, but then there's some guys who are unproven. You know, obviously you sign in a bunch of young guys in your linebacker class from 2019. So he's going to be one of those guys that's going to have to step up for Florida. And, you know, I think he's going to be the one guy this year that I think a lot of fans are going to be pleasantly surprised with. Yeah. I mean, I, no doubt. I think, uh, you know, he's been repping next to David Reese so far. Um, and you know, he's been very, very impressive. Um, I, I think the one thing, my question with him, uh, is because he's, you know, played more of a safety in the back end kind of role for the most part is how does he do fit in those run gaps? Um, and I'll say this, like Boshan Joseph was a good player. He had some absolutely great games for Florida seemed to always come alive against LSU, but he was a guy that the coaches at times with were very frustrated with because he was very inconsistent staying in his gaps. And so Amari Bernie, at least from what I've seen, the coaches seem to be pretty high on his football IQ in terms of doing those kind of things. Does he have the size right now to really fit in? If he does and he has a really good summer in offseason conditioning, I think Florida can upgrade at that position because watching him in the spring, he has been just incredible covering anything to the flats. He's very instinctive, um, and I, I think he could be an upgrade from Joseph. Now, Florida has to replace two other guys, and these are where some of the question marks come in on defense. Um, you know, Chauncey Gardner-Johnson, I think that they'll be okay there. I mean, you can tell me what you've seen from trading, but, I mean, I'm pretty darn impressed by that guy. This is a... Trey Dean approved podcast member here. I'm high on Trey Dean as well. I thought as as coming out of high school, I thought he was a safety, um, but he had the length. You saw him during Under Armour game. He played corner the entire week. I don't, I don't think he took a rep at safety the entire time at Under Armour. He played out wide. He's got the length. Florida obviously loves the length. You know, they want you to be able to play man, you know, kind of stick to your guy like glue. But whenever you bring that and you know a guy who might be better at safety, but you were really impressed with him as a true freshman, as a corner you know, I, I think it's an upgrade there. You know, maybe not an upgrade on Chauncey, but an upgrade in Trey's play in a position that he might be more familiar with. I think he's going to maybe upgrade his game playing that star position, kind of using that, that length, his, you know, his speed in the back end. You know, I think that that's going to be a spot. And even the run game, he's a physical guy too, you know. I mean, I think that Chauncey, that was the one thing where he brought to the, you know, he was nasty. You know, I think that Trey is a, you know, he's got that dog mentality that you want to bring in a player. And, you know, I, I don't know that it's going to be, you know, not going to miss a beat, you know, it's going to be oh fine, you know, we don't even, who's Chauncey Gardner Jr., who, you know, nothing like that, um, but I, I do think that it's going to be, he'll be fine there. 
you know what? He could not, you could not pick a better replacement for Chauncey Gardner Johnson in terms of trash talk because Trey Dean is a guy that will talk, talk, talk. And I, I think it's good to have some of those guys on your defense. Uh, it's funny, man. Him and Trayvon Grimes at practice will go at it nonstop. And like after play, you're just like, okay, enough, guys. But that, he's got that kind of personality that I think Chauncey brought. And I think it's important to replace those type of personalities. To me, there's no question Trey Dean can do it. Now, the other spot that Florida really has to find some answers at is obviously the, the buck position. You know, that rush end spot where they lose both Ja'Kai Polite and CeCe Jefferson. Uh, I, I think they've got some options there. Um, you know, Jonathan Greenard's a guy that stepped right in as a transfer from Louisville. He's very fluid as an athlete to me. Uh, probably doesn't have the, the kind of burst or maybe even the motor that Polite did. But he's a little bit bigger. He'll give Florida a little bit, you know, kind of a different look there. I think that will actually allow them to use Jabari Zaniga more as a, a pure pass rusher uh, in some ways. But I, I think he's a good fit. But there's a lot of long, a lot of young guys. You know, you talk about Andrew Chatfield, the younger David Reese, uh, Mamou Diabate, all those guys. Um, I'd love to hear your thoughts on some of them. You know, I, I've seen a couple of them and have been impressed. Um, but, I, I, you know, I couldn't pick out of that group right now who I thought would be the next one behind Greenard. You know, I think that's kind of the same thing for me. I, I think when you look at Greenard, you see the size you bring it. That was kind of my point that I was going to bring up too, is that, you know, he may not have the burst, the quick, you know, off the snap, you know, get back there and make a move and, and get to the quarterback, but he's going to likely free up some guys to clear through. I think Zaniga, this is the year where you see him kind of stand up and step up and make that role for Florida to where, you know, he kind of flashed last year. And I think now that he's going to maybe learn how to eat the whole plate, not one thing at a time. So, you know, and obviously Greenard, when you say, you, you know, the size he brings there, you know, I, I, the practices that I've seen, I, I thought he was pretty fluid back there. The one I was at, uh, it was he had an interception. Um, I think it was Felipe Franks that threw it. Um, you know, and I think that the thing that impressed me was that he's a big dude. You know, don't get me wrong. He's bigger mm-hmm. than than Polite and CC, but I thought he moved really well, you know, almost as a linebacker in coverage. I thought that that was maybe the one thing that I was like, wow, that guy's really big to move like that in coverage. Absolutely. Yep. Um. But, you know, I think that Zaniga, um, Tyree Campbell, you know, those kind of guys like that, it, it, I think it can free up some spots for them to make some damage too, you know. So it could be a blessing in a side. You know, it, it, the way you see it for Florida is that Grainerd could come through and he could maybe make some plays, burst things up, or he could free up some of your other guys too. Now, you maybe kind of spread the talent out throughout the defensive line, and it's not like, okay, well, we need Ja'Kai to plight to make a move, you know, when you're the coaching staff. You know, we need him to make a move. You know, who else is going to make that move for us? Because Zaniga may not be as consistent as, you know, as as the rest. But, uh, you know, I, I think that Grainerd brings something there. But, we, you know, when you with you, I'm, I'm the same thing. When you look past it, Mahmoud Diabate, obviously he's a true freshman. I mean, this guy was in high school a couple months or, you know, a couple weeks ago, if you want to be, you know, broad with it. Uh, I, you know, I, I don't know what he's going to bring. You know, he's kind of learning things. Um, you know, obviously he's going to have to pack on some weight there too, you know, 215 to 270. I mean, come on. Um, but, you know, I think Chatfield is the one interesting part because he just – Looked just like what you would think Ja'Kai Polite looked like out of high school. You know, he was a guy who was way too small. You knew he wasn't a defensive end out of high school. You know, he was going to be a guy that stood up, but he was just one of those guys that was relentless in the pass rush. You know, he like lived in the backfield. I believe his senior year, he had a couple interceptions too, playing some coverage and stuff there too. So, I mean, I think Chatfield could be the one to watch there, but again, you know, it's a lot to be seen still because we're still going through spring ball. There's a lot to be determined still, a lot of football still to be seen. And obviously the spring game, they'll kind of get after a little bit more because, you know, there are, you can't 
go full go in in a practice like that. So you know, and obviously defense, you want to see how they make tackles and hit people and be aggressive and. You know, that, that may save Felipe Franks while he can't hit and, you know, lowering his shoulder and things. But, you know, in a real <laughs> game, you know, those guys, it's not going to be like that. So I, I think with you is, I think Greenard is going to, I don't know that they're going to miss Ja'Kai Polite, so to say. You're going to miss his pass rushing abilities. But I think Greenard is going to be okay enough in that spot. But the real question is, is you're going to need depth there. You can't expect him to be the one and right. only guy. So I I think Chatfield, it, it could be the one interesting guy there. Um but again, you know, it, haven't really seen it so far. There's still some questions to where we're at in spring still. You know, I don't know that I'm as sold on Chatfield being the guy as I am. I think Bernie's going to be the dude for Florida. I'm not so sure about who's going to be the dude as far as the backup at that position. No, I, I completely agree. And I, I think that's kind of my, my overall takeaway on the defense right now is um, I think that across the board, they're deeper with better talent. Um but you lose some of the star players and I'm not sure right now you can put your finger on a lot of guys that you're going to say that guy's going to have double digit sacks or this guy's going to, you know, be the true ball hawk in the secondary. So I, I think the questions for Florida's defense are pretty similar to last year. I think up the middle, you have a little bit of concern. You need those defensive tackles to elevate their play just a little bit more. You know, linebackers got to be a little bit more consistent. And with the young guy like Bernie, if he can emerge and be a better player than Joseph, then great. Um, I think safety is still a big question mark. I think that they've got a lot of guys there that have experience. Um, but, you know, they just need a little bit more playmaking there. And I think if they get that, they'll be in good shape. But to me, this Florida defense has the chance to be special because of the speed that they have across the board. But, uh, Blake, I think that that pretty much wraps us up for today. Um, if, you, if you'd like to uh, go ahead and give us a little preview of what you and uh, you and Luke have coming up for the next episode. Definitely. Uh, you know, when kind of getting the show started obviously gives us a chance to kind of play with a lot of things here. And, you know, we'll really kind of dive into the 2020 recruiting class, take a look at where we're at now. We might circle back and look at some of the things with 2019. And as far as, you know, who could be some guys to watch for Florida fans this coming season. Um, but I think we'll look more ahead to 2020. Obviously there's a lot of camps, uh, you know, junior days that have passed, you know, recruiting never stops. And, you know, obviously Florida has a lot of spots still to fill. We'll take a look at some of the targets um, some of the guys that have been on campus recently, Florida's had a flurry of guys on campus with spring football and junior days going on. And, uh, you know, th there's a lot to talk about in recruiting because it's one of those things that, you know, you have to infuse those guys in the program. You want to bring dudes in every year and you want to coach them up. So, you know, I, I think that, uh, you know, recruiting for Florida right now, uh, continuing into the rest of the spring, we're going to have a lot to talk about as far as how many guys are getting on campus. Not only that, but quality guys are getting on campus. All right. He's Blake Alderman. I'm Thomas Goldcamp, and we are the Swamp 24-7 Podcast. Be sure to check us out, guys, on swamp247.com. We will have all of your spring practice coverage, more open practices coming. We'll have an open scrimmage. And Blake and Luke will keep you up to date on all the latest Florida Gators recruiting information. Until next time, guys, we'll see you later.